Embark on a thoughtful journey with us as we discuss the complex choice of expanding a family after raising two autistic children. In this episode, we navigate the intricacies of parenting within the spectrum, exploring both the joys and the challenges that come with adding another member to the fold. From fostering sibling bonds to managing the increased demands, we weigh the pros and cons, offering a candid exploration of the unique dynamics that shape the decision to grow a family amidst the diverse landscape of autism. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. So today marks a very special episode. And it's not because we're talking about our family. <laughs> oh, I was just like, does it? Like, what is the occasion? But then I remembered. I got it. Yes. Okay. I, I <laughs> want to mention before we get into the podcast episode, stick around to the end of the episode because this is going to be the first time that we do our random selection program for our Autism Wish, which is where we will randomly select one of our applicants who were referred for a grant of up to $100 worth of sensory and therapeutic items from their Amazon wish list. So if you have not looked into that, just go to Autism autismwish.org, click on refer a child or make a wish, and you'll get all the details there. Now back to the topic at hand. But first, (laughs) do we have a cool name for the wheel? Is it Matt and Leah's wheel of something? (laughs) No, we do not. We'll have to think on that. If anyone out there has an interesting name, we can give it a nickname. (laughs) Yay, it'll be fun. Wheel of wishes. (laughs) So today's episode is going to be focused on where we're at right now with our family when it comes to the whole expansion of our family. We did an episode in the past that was on the expansion of a family, but that was before we ourselves were in the midst of that. And a lot of the comments that we had received were basically parents who were considering having another child. Maybe they had one autistic child and they were worried about what is the likelihood that my next child will be autistic? Should I have another child? Or if you have multiples like me where we have two autistic children, I'm autistic, therefore, statistically, we know that this third baby on the way has a very high likelihood of also being autistic. And so this is something that we thought we should discuss again now that we are actually in that situation. So we want to talk a little bit about what we've been thinking in this journey, the pros, the cons, and kind of how we're prepping for this. Let's do it. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to say something. Well, I was, it looked like you wanted well, to say well, something. Well, it was funny because you mentioned like prepping, and I was like... We are not doing too hot with the prepping right now. <laughs> yeah, basically nothing's done. Yeah. Well, nothing in terms of physically yeah, prepping yeah, okay. for the child. Okay, yes. that's fair. That is something that is harder. We've noticed that definitely now that we are on our, our third child and we have two other autistic kiddos between all the therapies, because they do about, I think I counted last time, they have about seven to eight therapies each a week. So that's like 16 therapies a week, plus they go to school half days every day. And then they also have some extracurriculars we do with them that's just for fun that they really enjoy. And so we have not had any time to really prepare at all for this baby. 
So that is something that I didn't even consider before. If you have other autistic children, you have to remember that if you are planning on having another one, there's not going to be a whole lot of time for that nesting phase, which is something that I kind of not regret or anything, but it is kind of bothersome in the sense that I really wish I had that time that I could dedicate to like nest, prepare nursery, all that stuff. And I do feel like that's definitely been harder this time around. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as far as for the physical moving of everything and trying to get everything settled, we're kind of stuck right now because like the space we want to try and use for a nursery is basically kind of being used as a playroom backslash storage, but we have nowhere else to put the playroom and storage unless we just put it in like, I don't know, <laughs> the middle of the floor or something. But because we have nowhere to put it, we're trying to find spaces to put it in order to kind of set things up. So that kind of adds a little bit of a struggle because we're wanting to get stuff situated where we feel like we're ready to bring the baby back, but we're not quite there yet. So I mean, like, that part's not there. It's a work in progress. I still have to do some painting, but that's aside from another story. Yeah. <laughs> the one helpful thing is we have been able to get my mom in to help us out. The biggest struggle I think we've had with having another pregnancy is one with me having the hypermesis. That was extremely difficult having the other girls, the autistic kiddos. It was really difficult because we have like what, 12 to 16 therapies a week. I can't do math, but it's like seven or eight each. And at the time, you were handling everything. And so it was really challenging to get them to all their therapies and school and all those things that are involved while dealing with hyperemesis or morning sickness. So that's something to consider if you're prone to getting morning sickness or hyperemesis, that like that is something that could end up doubling, quadrupling the load. But the other thing is we didn't really anticipate how it would impact the kids that we already have. We were kind of struggling with that at first because our kids are both verbal at this point, although one of them I'm pretty sure has aphasia. We're in the process of getting that figured out. And so they do understand language. They can communicate. However, they have difficulty understanding kind of like what things truly mean, being able to communicate or express how they really feel and things like that. They will kind of just go with the flow without really understanding what's actually happening. And so we have been in the process of trying to slowly use social stories, primarily through like YouTube videos to help them understand and prepare for what having a newborn is going to be like, especially due to their sensory sensitivities, because babies cry and our kids are very sound sensitive, especially the youngest one. For us, I think the oldest one is getting the idea better of what a baby is and what it's going to kind of be like when the baby is here. For our youngest one, I feel like that hasn't really clicked. And honestly, I don't know if it really will until the baby is actually here and she can actually see. I don't really think she gets the full concept. We've been working with more out of necessity, out of like a uh, worry. We had to work with uh, the therapist because um, our youngest is very, very hyperactive, loves to climb, jump, bounce, bounce on you. So we've definitely had to work with our therapist as far as like trying to make sure that she is not just bouncing on Leah while she's pregnant. So that has been months in the work to try and reinforce and then constantly reinforce it with us as well. And I think she's getting the idea not to jump on you for the most part. I don't think there's been any serious incidents recently, but I, I don't think it's really clicked for her as far as like what a baby will be like when she's here. Like we watch like little YouTube videos 
And what we have the app where it tells you like by comparison, like what size the baby is. And we tell them like, oh, the baby is the size of like a banana, for example. So I think they think that's fun or funny that like, oh, like a baby is like a banana or something. But I don't think it's really clicked fully. And I kind of think it'll be interesting when the baby actually gets here, if it will kind of click. It's like a little person. Yeah, those are kind of like my two major concerns right now for when the baby does arrive. The first one is the sound sensitivity, because our youngest She will cry if she hears something that is too loud or too sudden, even if to us it's not. And I am very sound sensitive, and I don't even understand sometimes why she is so sensitive to a certain sound, because to me, it's not that loud, and I am very sensitive. So she is even more sensitive than I am. So I am a little worried about how she will react when there is that constant like crying So we are working on social stories. We are working on role playing. We're working on the exposure of what that crying sounds like through like YouTube videos and things like that just to get her situated. And some of the things that we have done to kind of address her spinning and crashing have been incorporating new gadgets in the house. We were having a serious problem with her literally running and charging towards me and just jumping on my chest, jumping on my back. She's done that since she was a baby, literally since she could walk before she was even verbal. She's just always been very jumpy. And of course, as my pregnancy progresses, this becomes dangerous. One of the things that we got is we have this big bean bag. It's not beans, though. It's like a foam bag, but it's like a giant bean bag just filled with foam. And she's been using that kind of as like a crash pad So we try to redirect her running to that. And she's been doing a pretty good job over the last couple of months of practice with redirecting it to the point where now she kind of does it on her own. And we haven't had to redirect her personally, verbally, or with physical touch anymore. She kind of does it on her own. And the other thing that has been working really great for her is for the holidays, we got her this like spinny chair. I forget what it's called, but it's this like metal chair and it has kind of like a wobble seat attached to it and you sit in it and it kind of scoops you up a little bit and then they can just spin and spin and spin and they go really fast on this. I honestly don't understand how they're not throwing up when they're on it, but she has loved it and I've noticed that she's been able to get a lot of her sensory input through that and since we've had those two things, she has not been crashing into me anymore. So that's just another thing to consider if you have a high sensory seeking child and you're looking to expand your family, you have to consider like, is your child going to be potentially a harm to you or your child without meaning to be? Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I think, yeah, with the last couple of months, it's actually like calmed down quite a bit. Uh, So, I mean, that's definitely a bonus. Now, as far as your thoughts about new baby also being autistic as well, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So that is, I think the main comment that people ask about is that concern of, well, what happens if this new baby is autistic? We have given that a lot of thought and At my age, because I'm, what am I, 34, 35? I don't even know. Am I going to be 35? 34 going on 35. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even know my own age. At 35, I'm considered, embarrassingly enough, geriatric when it comes to maternal age for, like, pregnancies and such, at least according to medical science. And so once you hit that mark, statistically, there's a higher likelihood that your child will have 
disabilities or a higher chance of things like autism and things like that. And since we already have other autistic kids and I myself am autistic, there's a very high likelihood that this child is also going to be autistic. And not just that they will be autistic, but there is also an increased likelihood or increased risk that this child will be more autistic, quote unquote, than my others. That is something that we definitely have to consider. For us, <laughs> we didn't actually choose to get pregnant. It was kind of like yeah, a surprise. Some of us, some of us, did. part of us, part of us did. And so we didn't really have time or the opportunity to consider that or factor that in. But for any of you out there listening who have those concerns, that is, you know, something to actually think about, like according to your age and your risk and genetic predisposition, what runs in your family, all that stuff, it will influence that likelihood. So for us, there is a higher likelihood. So we've been kind of just taking it one step at a time and just prepping more emotionally than physically. And by emotionally, I don't really mean like sad or anything like that, because at this point, we've had two autistic kids. I got my diagnosis. We've really been in the throes of this for quite some time. So I feel like we are pretty prepared. But I do feel like at our age, we're older now. And now that we're older, we're more tired. We're busy. We've got all these therapies with the other kids. And so one of my concerns going in is if our child is autistic, then we have to somehow find a way to manage adding in potentially eight more therapies a week. And so that's going to be something that we're going to have to figure out how to balance if and when the time comes. Yeah. I was going to say for me, as far as like for the the therapy runs, because I mean, thankfully, um, the office manager who works in the therapy clinic, uh, she does an awesome job as far as scheduling. So thankfully, since we've been in the facility a decent amount of time, she's able to schedule them in like blocks. So they kind of go at closer, similar times. So, I mean, I, we already gave her a heads up like, hey, like this one might be on the radar in like the next couple of years. So I, I basically just kind of think of it as like kind of like our I don't want to call it like our Oprah moment. Like you get an occupational therapy and you get an occupational therapy <laughs> and like, just like everyone's getting therapies and just like you all just put them in the van and then you just go to the therapy center and everyone goes to their therapy. So if we're able to like line it up like that, where they're like blocked together with therapies, I don't really see much of like a disruption to like our ordinary like structure for the most part. Granted, we're going to have to shift from man defense to zone defense because we're going to be outnumbered. <laughs> so we won't be able to go one-on-one -on -one with the kids. We're going to have to kind of like corner them so like they can't run away. So like you'll stand by the stairs and I'll stand by the front door. So like they can't like get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. So we've really been taking things kind of lightly. Like we, we are the type of people that just joke around and try to make light of the situation because in our experience, really stressing out about things doesn't really alleviate anything. I used to be the type of person when I was younger that I would be extremely anxious about things. I would worry all the time. I would like just totally break down. And it took me a lot of time and years and years of really finding myself to figure out how to not get overwhelmed in the midst of chaos, essentially. And so now we're kind of at a point where that doesn't really happen for us as much. We do, of course, get stressed. We do, of course, get overwhelmed. 
but we like to try to take it with a positive tone and we try our best to just be like, you know what, whatever is out of our control is out of control and we can only do what we can do that's in our control. And nine times out of 10, what's in our control is how we react to things. That's the thing that we can control, not so much that 1% of the time where we can actually control the outcome. So since we can't do anything about our genetics, we can't do anything about the statistical likelihood of having an autistic child or perhaps a more severe autistic child, we're simply choosing not to stress about it and instead just get in a place where we feel like we're prepared for it. We have already put in place certain things. For example, we know there are several year wait lists for autism assessments. And since this baby's going to be already high risk, I've already enrolled in a program at a local university that will do like an early assessment for free as long as like we're participating in this study, essentially. So there's not going to be a wait list for the baby to get evaluated. I already have them on a list and that's like ready to go. So that's one of the things that we're kind of doing to ease our minds in that process. Yeah. I mean, you raise a good point as far as like being like as upbeat as we can about it. I mean, mostly because like if we get beat up and upset about everything that we think is going wrong or everything that happens, our kids definitely feel that and they feel like they've done something wrong or something. And then that puts them in a negative mood and then everything just kind of spirals out of control. So yeah, I mean, we try to be as upbeat as we can. That's not to say like, Sometimes we're, sometimes most days we're exhausted. So we're just kind of like shuffling our feet because we haven't had enough coffee because there's not enough coffee to possibly consume to be like upbeat and alert all the time. But overall, I mean, like, I think that our kids' reactions and just general feelings about life are kind of because of how they feel we're engaging with them or how we're engaging with the world around. Uh, so, I mean, I definitely think that it has a beneficial factor for them just seeing us not get stressed out about everything small that is more or less kind of insignificant in kind of the grand scheme of things. We already know that our kids are sensitive to certain things, especially big changes. And so having another kid is a big change. There's a lot of autistic kiddos who have that rigidity with having a new person in the home or in their life. They might feel like you don't belong here. Get out. I don't want you here. And so we've been working hard to try to give them an early bond. So we try to have them talk to my belly or we try to like have them feel when the baby's kicking and things like that to try to give them a connection of like, hey, this is a person and this person's going to be here soon. But we also don't push them. And when the baby does arrive, We're not going to force any bonding. We're going to kind of let them lead the way and let us understand from their behaviors and their communication how comfortable they are with holding the baby, being around the baby, things like that. If they're overwhelmed, if they get sensory overload, they are more than welcome to go take a sensory break if they need to in another room, use their earmuffs, whatever it is that they need to be comfortable. We are not going to force anything on them. We think it's important to give them their time and their space and the accommodations in place to help them get through this like major life transition. Sure, they talk to your belly, but not mine. So, (laughs) yeah, I'd be worried if your belly kicked back. (laughs) (laughs) Only after certain food groups. (laughs) (laughs) So, with that said, we are going to wrap up the podcast part of this and we are going to go ahead and switch gears. Before we go, we have one more thing to do. Some of you already know this if you've tuned in and you follow our social media, 
but we launched a new program at Autism Wish in the form of a random selection for a chance to be granted up to $100 worth of sensory or therapeutic items from your child's Amazon wishlist. We're going to be doing this drawing on the last Friday live stream of the month, and today's episode marks our very first one. We received several submissions, and we entered all of the parents' names into this wheel from all the submissions that we've gotten. So what we're going to do is we're going to spin this wheel to select the winner, and we're not going to release the child's information until we've verified the parent's consent But then we're going to post the winner details on our social media and follow up with the winner via email to grant some of those wishes. We had a really great response to this with a lot of applicants. So we're excited to see who we will be able to bless today. And uh, it's exciting because this is our first time doing it. So let's see. I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel and we're going to find out who our winner is. All right, here we go. All right, it's spinning for those audio only listeners. And our winner is, looks like, oh, it's close, Ashton Davis. Ashton Davis, congratulations. So what we are going to do is I'm going to follow up with you, Ashton, with the email that you provided, and we are going to give you like next steps and instructions. That's what we have for today. If you are not familiar with Autism Wish, check out our website, autismwish.org. If you go to Refer a Child or Make a Wish, you can apply to this program. If you're in the United States, it's a United States-only program. Thanks again, everybody. And I just want to wrap up with asking you guys about your thoughts on expanding a family after an autism diagnosis. Are you guys planning on multiple children? Are you thinking about expanding that family and have some doubts and reservations? Let us know what you think by sharing your story in the comments on YouTube or Facebook at Autism Wish or continuing the conversation with us on our Embracing Autism community. If you haven't yet, don't forget to become a member today at AutismWish.org and you'll get exclusive access to that private community where you can form relationships with other parents just like you and also gain access to us directly for any questions or follow-up that you might want. Your support is actually what makes this monthly drawing possible. So thank you and thanks for tuning in and we will see you all next time. Have a great one, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.